Hello, and welcome to the first episode of What Created the Creative. My name is Heath Kieran, and this podcast takes a look into the backstories of today's designers. Looking at not what creatives do, but how they got there. I want this podcast to be raw and authentic, so I thought I should go first. I asked Pete, a good friend of mine, a user researcher, to interview me. Pete took the time to unpack my journey, my childhood imprints, my hobbies, passions, and how I go through this world. I invited Pete over to my home, and this is what happened. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. So, give me your 30 second elevator pitch of who Heath Kieran is. Wow. Bold move. Uh, It's tough because I think I've had many different identities over the years, or like remaining true to myself, but you grow and change. And elevator pitch now, I think, quite humble in where I am in my life and happy to acquire new knowledge and learn new things. I think I I get a real buzz out of not knowing something and actually taking the time to learn it and get to know it. And, but the problem is that once I get to know it a little bit, I sort of discard it for something new. Okay. And so I just get good at little thing, uh, like a little good at some things and never really fully master something. So I've chopped and changed careers and, and um, hobbies and passions and now I guess probably, you know, like mid-30s sort of really nailing down what I enjoy, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yep. And that would be like I really enjoy art, um, trying to do it, not very good at it, mm. um, and design but also acting and music. Um, yes, I guess I don't know. It's, it's always hard. I always find it really hard to pitch myself. And in job interviews, like I hate that sort of like who are you and what you do because I can talk about like what me and my team do and, and yep. like we and we and I, I don't really like to use I. And I guess even in like my hobbies and stuff, I always enjoy doing them with other people and learning along that journey with people. Yeah, okay. I definitely didn't answer your question <laughs> at all. So <laughs> It's a funny one though, isn't it? Like it's a... You know, like, tell me who you are. You know, it's a, why do you think it is like a a bit of like a, a funny question or a question that can sort of put people off or, you know? I think we just have so many different sort of, or like the scope of our identity is constantly changing and shifting and we all do, we're all like a little bit different in certain situations. So, I don't know, just, I don't really know my true, true self, I guess. I would if I probably spent time to understand it. But it's not often you get to just take the time to really reflect in and understand who you are and where you're at. You're sort of going, 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 going and someone throws this question at you and you're like, I haven't thought about that for years. Yep. Yeah, fair enough. So, good question. Yeah, it was a bit longer than 30 seconds but that's <laughs> that's me. It's a long elevator ride, I guess. Um, <laughs> Could have gone up a few floors. <laughs> All right, the next thing is we're going to play, well, it's kind of a little game. 
It's a cool. word associations. Oh. Have you ever <laughs> have you ever done something like that before? No. Okay. I don't. Oh, I think I've done it in a few workshops, but yep. I've never really done it. Like I've never had it done to me. Yep. So basically, I want to throw out a few words. So I've got ten, and all I'm after is just the first thing that comes. <laughs> Your face. I can see you. You're squirming. Yeah, I'm, you're, I'm, I'm gulping. I'm sweating. You're touching I'm, the back of your neck. Getting hot. So um, the first thing that comes to your mind, and maybe sort of as the, through the lens of like your life so far. Sure. Cool. All right. Is it like rapid one after another, or you just just go? Well, no, let's we'll, go with it. We'll yeah. just, let's go with the flow. I don't have to know everything about no, this. No, no, no. <laughs> we'll see where you take us. Okay. All right. Okay. Design. Art. Okay. Pencil. Drawing. Work. Annoying. <laughs> Dream. Big. Passion. Life. Hero. I don't know. Everyone. <laughs> okay. Few. A lot of it. <laughs> Money. Destroying. <laughs> Happiness. An achievement. What's that, sorry? An achievement. Okay. Regret. Field. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How did you feel about those words? They're good. They're nice. Um I guess it, you start to think about things in your life quite rapidly and what stuff means to you. So, yeah, it was nice. Was there any sort of visualization, visualizations in your mind of different imagery? Um, I think design, I was just like, whoa, there's so much, so much in it. Um, so, it was hard to sort of nail down on one thought. Yeah, so cool. I just, I just grabbed art, I think, which I don't know. I think there's a, like a true true piece of design could be true art. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, we'll see how, if any of those responses, I guess, sort of trickle in in and out as yeah. we go through our little chat. All right. So, we're going to look at similar to last week, some like childhood imprints. Yeah. Um, what did you enjoy most about your childhood? Man, my childhood was amazing. Um, I have one of, I'm like one of six kids. Um and my parents, like super loving, super attentive, always there, like emotionally um, and always provided. We like we weren't super rich and sometimes we ate rice for dinner and that was it. <laughs> okay. But uh, they had a real big focus on like family and education and sort of being there for each other. And we weren't really allowed to watch TV or anything. Um, so we spent so much time outside, like so much time outside. And because one of six, there was always a different game going on or a new game starting or something happening. And I remember we used to make up games, like the weirdest games. Um, and it must have been when like Super Mario came out and okay. we had a trampoline. We didn't actually have Super Mario, the game. <laughs> you just heard about it. <laughs> yeah, we'd like heard about it in the stores. Um <laughs> So we made up this game on the trampoline, which was like Mario Brothers. And we came with this amazing set of rules and we all knew them. And the whole point was you had like four, four people on the trampoline. 
sit one sit in each corner and then you'd like go in and battle with a ball and then there was two people off the tramp throwing the ball and it was like mental and probably I wouldn't even make sense now but it was pretty cool we spent a lot of time just hanging out with each other and playing and even as we grew older we still do that like we weren't ever allowed once we sort of hit teens um, to even watch like an hour of TV a week. Why do you think that was? I just think my parents valued like what we had and wanted to try to make us realize that there's more to life than just getting like in this in this rut and locked into this sort of consumer consumerism and, and the way that sort of people come home and just do the mundane thing. So that was my perspective of it. I've never actually really asked them why. Um, but, yeah. So one of six, where did you fit in the six? Uh, it's like sort of the middle because I have a twin sister. Okay. So I got an older sister, two older brothers, then myself, a uh, twin sister and a younger sister. And what was sort of like the age? What's the age sort of? difference we're talking about um so i think my sister's 10 years older than okay. me um and my younger sister's five years younger so like we were all super young and all like growing up maybe two or three years apart of each other so so there was always i take it something going on in the house yeah, it was mental. Like, I'm surprised <laughs> my parents didn't lose it more often. Okay. Six kids just... I remember coming home from school and we did it religiously. Like, we'd all come home from school and we'd come down the back, through the back gate, up into the back of the house and then we'd all just, like, take our shoes off <laughs> and our bags and just dump them in the hallway. Yep. I remember one night my dad came home <laughs> and he, like, tripped over the do the the shoes and the bags and was just like, what are these shoes doing in the hallway? And so he just picks them up and just starts throwing them down the whole hallway. Yep. Um, well, there'd be a few shoes. Like oh, if was 12. 12. <laughs> Plus we had like sport shoes. And yeah. So there was more, always more than that. And then six bags, school bags, <laughs> mental. Yeah. Okay. So lots of playing outside, not so much inside in front of the TV, but playing games, much sport or anything like that. Um, we couldn't really ever afford sports. Okay. So none of us were ever like in any teams or anything. Yeah. And if we were, like it was a pretty big thing to even get registration fees. Yeah. Um, I remember my dad used to work like, so he had a full-time job. Uh, he was an editor and then he would also get up in the morning and go like pick up the newspapers back in the day mm -hmm. and drive them around and drop them all off, come home. So he'd get up at like four go and do that, come home for like a half hour nap, then get up and then help my mum get everyone ready for school and yeah, then right. like drop us off at school. And then I think he was even doing like um, freelance on the side of that at the end of the night. So he's just mentally just like working himself so hard. But he was always there for us too, which was pretty amazing. What did, um, I guess sort of growing up and sort of saying, I guess the pattern or what your sort of dad was doing, how did you feel like, was that like, did you think that was the norm of what other households or other families were like or? Uh, when I was younger, yeah, definitely. But as I started to get like into school and make friends and go to other people's houses, it was definitely different. And we were like, 
or in private education. Um, so, like a lot of the focus and money was spent on our education. Yeah. And there was definitely like heaps of wealthy people that we went to school with that had it different. And uh, yeah, like not to judge or anything, but mm-hmm. um, I don't really say from my perspective, but I always knew like our, our home was I mean, filled with love, I guess. Yeah. And everyone that used to come over used to love it and would stay like three or four nights. It wouldn't just be like a one night sleepover. Yeah. Um, and our house was always like the house to go, which was pretty cool when we were younger and growing up through primary school. How do you think that sort of, from what it sounds like, that work ethic from your dad transferred to you? So, I guess there's probably like two two factors to this. Part of me was always like, just like earn as much money as you can while you can. Okay. Um, just because I guess just that that idea that I missed out on things when I was younger, which isn't really real. It's just sort of like a left leftover hangout from growing up and seeing kids with Adidas shoes and yeah. <laughs> me not having <laughs> Adidas shoes or something like that, yep. like that petty. Um, but I guess like the worth ethic definitely from like both my mum and my dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like instilled in all of us and I remember getting a job as soon as I could like what is it, 13 and nine months or 14 and nine months or something. On Like the day I could go get a job, <laughs> I went and started applying for jobs. Yeah, why? Because um, I, 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 I didn't want to have to have that extra burden on my parents. Like if I wanted something, then I should I should work for it and I should pay for it rather than sort of just relying on them or having to ask them. And yeah. it was you wouldn't really ask them for much because – one, they'd feel really bad that they couldn't really give it to you and then um, like you feel bad because really you just want something that's really shit anyway and will you wear for like a week and it'll ruin or you'll get over it. Um, so, yeah, it was the work ethic definitely instilled from them. But I am ready to retire. <laughs> <laughs> what was the job? Um, <laughs> just at a fast food joint. Okay. I always wanted to work at like a cinema. I loved movies and acting and I used to apply like religiously to this cinema and I never got a job there. For what role? Any, I'd take anything. Oh, anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it was candy bar or something. Yeah. And I was always like, why can't, why do I have to work at a fast food joint and I want to work in the cinema and I couldn't even get a job in the cinema. So what, what can you tell me your approach? What did you do? Back then, yeah. I think I like wrote out a resume on the computer mm. or typed out, which had nothing on it. Like I was 13 <laughs> and nine months. <laughs> okay. Like I think I thought that I mowed my dad's lawn and like good, did good chores. Crossover, good yeah. crossover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess it's just that whole idea of who you are and what you do at 13 yeah. and nine months to get a job. So where did the movies come from? Like the interest? I always loved like cartoons and movies and – Definitely, and when I got older, I started to like sneak, sneak watch. <laughs> so I'd get up like super early in the uh, morning at six a.m. on a Saturday, yeah. sneak out to the the TV, um, turn on the TV with my blanket, and then I'd watch cartoons. Except because I was so tired and young, I'd fall asleep, and then my parents would come in, <laughs> and it'd be like nine o'clock, and like you can't watch this. Okay. Any movies that stand out? 
Not from my younger years. Okay. Um, I do have a good story about. So my dad edited edited like film, and they were sort of, I guess, I want to say progressive in like filtering what we watched. Okay. So my sister would have been maybe sixteen, oldest, and she wanted to watch Greece, and so my dad and my mum watched it, and they're like, oh, it's a bit inappropriate. So my dad got a copy of Greece and edited it to cut out the bits that he thought weren't appropriate for the younger kids yeah, okay. and then played it to us. And we thought we were watching end-to-end Greece, but it was like PG version. Yeah, right. Um, this is the John Travolta one. Yeah. And still yeah. to this day, I haven't seen <laughs> the legit Greece. Okay. I Well, to be honest, I haven't seen it either. So, so, so I, I don't know. You could show me the. I'll show you the edited the version. One, I wouldn't have a clue. On like Betamax or something. <laughs> That's interesting. So your so your dad was, I guess, an editor. He was an editor, and so he was involved with like TV production or movie production, that type of thing. Yeah, a bit of both. Um, I got into like ABC mm-hmm. and worked there. And did you know? That when you were growing up, what he did? Yeah, we used to go in to yeah. his office and he used to work at Parliament House, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So we had stuff to do on the weekends. We'd, we'd go in and he'd show us around. and um, So I, I knew what he did, but I didn't really know what he did, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like okay. I knew he edited, like he made things and put it together somehow. But the intricate detail of how they did it back then using like one tape to play, one tape to record and cut in. And yeah, like I didn't really understand that till later on. Yeah, okay. But it always makes me like I wish I took more like interest into it because it's cool. Um, and as I like as we started, as I started to go to uni and stuff, I, I really fell in love with like motion graphics and title screens and all that sort of stuff. So if I had honed in on my skill back then, Maybe I would have been something. <laughs> Do you have you talked about have you talked to your dad about that like sort of now or before, not right now, but like in the past of No, I haven't. Okay. Like like how I wish No. Yeah. I think I just it's one of those things. Yeah. Like he probably was like, Oh, don't do editing. Go do something <laughs> you enjoy. You're not stuck in the edit booth all day. Yep. Um and they were quite like happy for us to walk our own path and never really pushed any idea of what we have to do or, or who we have yep. to be, just sort of basic set of morals and standards and good education. Yep. That's sort of where they what they were for. Which family member do you think influenced you the most? Twin sister, definitely. Right. Why is that? Um, she's, she's, she's like real smart. Um, <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> I always felt like I wasn't ever as smart as her, but it was always like a really cool way to sort of aspire to something and try to learn more. But I don't think I was less smart, just different learning style looking back on it. But I always used to leave things to the last minute. I still do. <laughs> and I remember um, like a few times I had some assignments due. I'm like, oh, hey, can you help me with this assignment? And she's like, yeah, when's it due? I'm like, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so she'd stay up all night with me to help me finish my assignment because she'd done hers like three weeks ago. Yep. Um, so, yeah, definitely. 
I think also like being a being a twin, you definitely share a bit more of the same journey as you grow up. Mm-hmm. You're going through a lot of the same things at the same time, and always got like a a really good friend, or like a best friend, and someone to rely on, and who and you know who's got your back. Yeah, she was also like ruthless at school, so if I was ever getting bullied or picked on, she'd stand up for me. Right. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's lucky. Yeah, okay. it's best. Cool. Um, so sort of thinking at school or maybe, yeah, a bit later, maybe in high school, what sort of activities do you think, what acti- activities were you interested in? See, high school was tough for me. Um, I, I never really, like I moved around different friends and different friends and and then sort of like got a real good bunch of friends but I was always like, I guess, persuaded to do things and study things that seemed cool or like were in with the group I was hanging out with. And I never really did what I wanted to do, which was like acting and and music. And I wasn't very ever really good at it when I first started. And art I wanted to do, I remember doing like year seven, I did an art class and then, it, you know, it wasn't cool. So, didn't do that. And that's bringing up like your regret field, <laughs> filled with regret. <laughs> but I guess it's like you're all, all learning. Um, what, what, was, what, what was it about acting and art that you, that were you interested in? I just loved it. Like it was a way to express myself um, without, I guess, expressing myself, like a way to channel my feelings. And it also helps you discover what things are real and what aren't. Um, and you can sort of use those situations and the things you're feeling or learning and, and put them to use in like a creative or, or fun way that can help people. And I always liked acting and drama because I always thought like it was really cool if you could actually do something like a scene or, or and you can actually change someone how they feel. Like you can bring happiness or sadness or, or make them angry or make them whatever but you were doing that and you were like creating that space for them. Okay. So are we talking like high school musicals and stuff like that or? I remember trying out in like year six for a high school play. I didn't get a part in it. You're in year six? Yeah. So hang on, what's that? Is that primary school? No, year six You're before year, year seven. I thought year seven's high school. Year seven's high school. Year six primary school. Yeah. Is that what you said? No, no, you said that. You said I was in year six and I tried out for a high school play. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was aspiring. No, Can yeah, a primary, primary school play. Okay. Year six. Yeah. And I didn't get the part and I was super bummed and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> and just threw a tantrum. And I did drama and stuff in year seven and eight. Yep. Um, and then dropped. I also went to a school that was like pro sport, like so – if you sort of didn't fall into that sporting aspect, you were almost overlooked. Yeah, right. And then if you weren't super academic, you were also overlooked. Overlooked by the school or your, your peers? By the school. Okay. So there was a whole bunch of us that we just needed to learn in a different way that was just sort of like, uh, just put them in that class. <laughs> They'll be right. Um, so it, it didn't help. Like I'm sure there's schools out there that would really help to foster and grow that creative side of, of a person rather than just that yep. English math science. So you sort of did drama and acting like in the earlier high school years and then sort of dropped it? Dropped it. 
Yeah. Till I was like 30. <laughs> it's a big break. How did you feel like about, like about dropping it? I think it was just one of those things where it was like, yeah, I'll try this, you know. And I, I guess at that time of life, you're sort of trying to understand the world and what's in it and, and where you can go. And I remember even then teachers trying to push down like this career path on you. And you're like 14, 15 and they're like, you gotta, you got to think about the future and what you study now is what you'll be doing. It's like, is it? And that was your drama teacher? <laughs> yeah. No, that was like <laughs> every teacher just trying to sell their idea of what you should do and, you know, making you into something that you're not. Was there anything, do you think, when you were growing up, like in through high school, things that you wanted to be? I always wanted to do acting. Like I always wanted to be an actor or a musician. Right. I just never had the confidence in myself to go do it. Why? I don't know. Fear. Okay. Anxiety. Um, and like I was always supported from family. Like if I would have been, if I wanted to do something there, but yeah, cool. Like go do it. Let's, mm -hmm. How do we do it? But I guess I just never really, yeah, I believed in myself. So I threw a lot away. I, I threw a lot of years away trying to force myself down a path that wasn't true to myself. Were there any other influences at play, do you think? The world, <laughs> just in general. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I think just like friends, school, yeah, your own sort of misplaced beliefs um, and this idea that like I, ha I had to be something or I had to do something a certain way and I was never smart enough to do this or I remember once... I went to like my career counsellor as you're forced to do in year 10. Yeah. Like which is obscene. There's, <laughs> regardless of what you picked then, you definitely wouldn't be doing it now. Yeah. Like unless you like a doctor or something. But even then, like there's so many chances to pivot and change and do things differently. But she sat me down and she goes, I'll never forget it. She's like, maybe you should consider dropping to like an A package and not doing your like HSC. Um, why did you, do you think she said that? Because my grades weren't good enough. Okay. And they didn't want to bring down the overall score, the overall score of the school. Wow. Because it all like affects. And out of pure spite, I'm like, no way. I'm going to do <laughs> as many subjects as I can. Um, I, like I didn't so yeah it was just weird to think like people have that much effect on you at such a young age and they have the power to do that and I remember like I think I told my mum and dad that and they're like just you know do what you want to do you don't, don't worry if you want to study that or you want to do that then that's cool I remember year 10 there was like the start of the internet I remember we had to do like a <laughs> had to create a page like a search engine page uh -huh. um, as one of our subjects for computer science or something like that. Yeah. And I always thought that was real cool. Um, never really got into it. But I always, like it, just the idea of it back then was pretty amazing. I remember going to like, the library and they're giving us a like an educational tour on how to use the search engines and <laughs> and this internet thing. Yeah. It's pretty funny. 
It sounds it's quite funny now when you when you talk about it in that sort of way because I was the same. I mean, then you have like people growing up now how it's just it's just a thing. Yeah, like five year olds turning on yeah. iPads and looking up apps and downloading apps and playing them. Mm. It's mental. It's not even a thing, really. It's just it's just like life. Yeah, it's like drinking water or breathing. It's just interesting. Okay. When you left school, high school, what did you set out to do? I had no idea. Like I remember doing college, like going to college, so year 11, 12. Yeah. Um, and I was, you know, did the subjects that I needed to do. And I think halfway near the end of year 12, I was like, oh, I'm going to go do my like electrician apprenticeship. Okay. Um, so I finished year 12, got my year 12 certificate, got a, did like the actual test to get a score for uni because I'm like, I may as well just as a backup. And then started applying for jobs as an electrician. And I remember I I went out, wrote up my resume after yeah. <laughs> four years at the fast food joint, <laughs> set to be an apprenticeship. <laughs> and I printed out, I think like it was like 152 resumes. And I posted them to every single electrician in the Canberra region. Right. And I got like a few few interviews and then started with this company who were paying like 220 bucks a week mm-hmm. for an apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, that is nothing. That's like no money to be working nine to five. Well, not really nine to five, but seven till three, whatever it was. And I did it for a while. And I I, I got to the point where I was sitting there one day and I was, I was looking around and I'm like, this isn't for me. And my driving factor was that I wanted to wear cool suits. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't wear cool suits? To- no, I couldn't. I had to right. wear like tradie clothes. Yeah. Other than that, so then I'd quit that Friday. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to go to uni. Did you tell him about like the suits? No, I think I just called him and said, it's not for me. I'll return your tools. And then, so I returned my tools that he gave me and then he didn't pay me for a week's work. Rough. Right. Why? So stepping back a little bit, why <laughs> did you choose? What What was it about being an electrician? So when my dad first started, he um, did like some electrical work when he first moved to Sydney. Um, I just thought it was like cool, connecting power and making things work and being able to turn things on and off. And my dad was like a huge handyman. So anything, and I think it was probably because he didn't have much money, but anything that broke, he'd fix. It's like, yeah, I'll fix that. And he would spend hours or minutes, whatever, however long it took him to understand that, whatever he had to fix, and then he fixed it. So he kept all our cars running. Like I remember having like an old Holden car um, that I saved up and bought, bought, and things would go wrong and we'd spend the weekends fixing it, like pulling out the alternator or changing the head or whatever we had to do, we'd buy the parts online or we'd go to the wreckers. Um, probably wasn't online back then. Later <laughs> on it came online. We'd go to the wreckers and then like get the part and we'd fix it. Trading post maybe. Trading probably. <laughs> you would look into the paper. <laughs> so like that idea of fixing things and, and making things and 
was cool and I and I thought back then like there's going to be a lot of money in this. Like if you own your own business, it's something that someone will always need. You'll never not need an electrician yeah. or someone to fix something that's electrical. Um, and I, before I got into like the electrician, electrician, I thought maybe like an auto electrician because mm-hmm. working on cars as I grew up with my dad, it was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so. And so you did it for how long? Oh, not long. <laughs> Two weeks? <laughs> probably probably a month, I think. For a month. Yeah. Not Indian long at all. I'm not wearing these cool suits. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pull the plug. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and then I um, went to do marketing communications. Okay. So they wear cool suits. <laughs> was that <laughs> was that the driving factor for the choice? No, I think um, I love brands. Like I always loved brands. I remember like even early on, um, just like this weird sort of hiccup with brands and how they looked and and what they could do. I get it sort of like probably ties back into that whole idea of acting and changing people and like making making a space for someone to feel something okay and that idea of like a brand and a product being able to help or change or influence you was i thought was pretty cool yeah okay pretty interesting so you enrolled in like a marketing communications degree was it no i went to um like a tafe or crt first okay um because I missed like the enrollment for uni so i'm like oh i'll just go study it and then i can just transfer over and it also meant that I could work at like a, a bar and earn money. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I went and did that at, at like TAFE and then and then crossed over into uni um, to do marketing and communications. How did you find it? It was good. I think it was different like the whole idea of studying and, and like because I leave everything to the last minute <laughs> and I had a girlfriend at that stage. Um, who was also studying marketing communications. So she helped out a lot in the first semester. Right. <laughs> it kept me across the line. Yeah. Did you feel that this was could this could be a thing for you? Yeah, I loved it. I remember there was this one one class I had and this really cool teacher who was like a creative exec from the industry, worked his whole life. He was like 50 and he gave us like this project to do. And like my idea was nothing much, but we all had to present it and it was for to how do you sell jeans. And I remember like coming up with this like creative pitch of where you would have like a, a coffin, but the top half of the coffin closed and the bottom half of the coffin open. And then it was like, why wait to be comfortable? <laughs> what? <laughs> like not nothing great, nothing, but it's just like that sort of thinking where you're not yeah. sort of mainstream and and following like a normal pitch is something that's really valuable in the industry so that sort of cemented me into like not just change like having a picture of a a hot girl in a pair of jeans and trying to sell that okay cool but you get the pitch i I think so yeah i might re-listen to this and go oh that's what he meant yeah you'll get it and then you'll be like whoa (laughs) we should hire that guy visionary (laughs) Um, this was 2006. Yeah. So you finished that and then where did you go? Well, I started working at a small creative firm Okay. for a while and I loved it. But I just got to the point where I'm like, I don't want to commit to this life right now. 
like there's so much I want to see and do and, and grow as a person. So I quit. <laughs> the which, which bit? The creative firm. Okay. But you were still studying at the same no, time? No, I finished you studying. Finished. I graduated okay. and then I, same thing, I sent out some resumes yeah, like with my portfolio. 152. <laughs> Probably not that many. <laughs> and I, I got invited to this one guy's like, yeah, coming in for an interview. So we, I went and had an interview. Um, stupidly, I wore like a shirt that showed up sweat. <laughs> and I didn't really notice until I'd left the interview. But I was super nervous, like first yep. big interview ever with a with the creatives ex in their cool suits. There I am, just a sweat, sweat bucket. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, cool, come to our Christmas party. It'd be cool for you to meet some of the other team members. And so I went and, and they invited me to work the next year. Uh, and so I was like, oh, look, I love it here, really cool. I just want to go earn as much money as I can and travel. Okay. Um, so I left there and went back to like the bar and was just working um, and then took like a contract role doing like admin assistant or something. So I was working two jobs and my goal was to save like as much as I could in about six months um, and then travel for four months around Europe. Right. What was the driving force behind I think travel? like our generation was on – that sort of edge of affordable travel mm-hmm. and and it being a thing that we could do. I remember my older brother traveled around Europe and that's probably has a lot to do with it too when he was young, about the same age and he loved it. And I remember just hearing the stories of him like walking in Amsterdam or, or going to Berlin and just totally different, like different lifestyle and culture and just being in different spaces seemed really cool to me and also that idea of just having a backpack and not having to stick to anything or or be somewhere or do certain things. So you're in Europe and you're traveling around. You're getting close to the time when you think you're going to be coming back. What were you thinking that you might be doing next? I didn't know. All I could think of was it'd be great not to live out of a bag and carry <laughs> this bag around. Because um, four months, like in and out of hostel, Airbnb wasn't around then. Yep. Like we were in 40, 40, room, uh, 40 bed dorms and stuff. Uh, and you just sort of, we had a, had a Euro rail mm-hmm. and just, well, let's go there. How do we, how do we really got to go to internet cafe, <laughs> try a search how to get there and like use some, some weird booking site that's definitely scamming you in all your details. Yeah. And then you get there and you're like, how do we get around? I think the, the iPhone had just came out. So it was sort of big. What, what do you prefer? Do you, do you prefer, I guess, the tools that we have now in terms of looking where we're going and, you know, what's available or more that sort of raw fly by the seat of your pants style. Yeah, there's something quite romantic about about that, like just sort of you're with you and you got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But don't get me wrong, it's also cool to be able to plan a whole trip and not have to worry once. But I'm, I think that's why now I'm, I'm drawn a bit to like hikes and, and getting out in nature and sort of 
having a plan but no real way to sort of check in every day. Have you done any of sort of that sort of thing recently or? No. So it, when I lived in Canada, mm-hmm. um, we did a few hikes around there and we did one around Whistler. wasn't overnight though. I'd really like to get into the like overnight sort of hikes and yeah, I think there's something a romantic to me just mm. out in nature, yourself or with someone else, not distracted by this idea of the world. Yep. And what you have to be doing or, oh, i got to do washing. It just seems that we're always in a rush to do stuff these days. And a lot of the stuff we probably won't, don't even need to do. Mm-hmm. Or we could like push it off and enjoy life a bit. So you're back. So you're back from your trip. How long are you away? Four months, did you say? Yeah, four months. Okay. I was with like with people. Yeah. Different people on and off. So, yeah, it wasn't just me roaming around Europe for four months alone. So, right now, you've pretty much got a blank slate, really, of what you could... Yeah, I was free. ...of what you could do next. How did that feel? So, the people I worked for, the creative agency, said, when you get back, hit us up. Okay. I never did. Why? I don't know why. I think probably... I never really thought I was good enough at like having just, and I was, I also felt a bit guilty for walking away from it. Right. Like a pretty cool opportunity that not many people got out of uni. So I sort of just, yeah, I don't know. And I, I guess for that reason, I was also like, well, maybe it's not for me. Okay. Maybe I can wear cool suits another way. <laughs> Well, fast forward a few years. You're wearing some cool suits now. I'm trying. I'm I wouldn't trying. say it's a suit. It's more like a blazer. Yeah. I chop and change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what did, so what, do you do, what, did you, what did you do next? What did you do next? Uh, so, I went into comms, but for the government. Okay. And I got about a year into working at the government doing like internal, external comms. And I remember I came with this pretty cool idea for internal comms that we won an award for. Um, which was really cool. And we used to work with this graphic design team. Right. They were awesome, just a whole, totally different culture. And I got, I got to the point where I'm like, I want to learn that side of this art. Yep. Like I don't want to just be coming up with ideas. I want to come up with the idea and then make it real. So I thought I'll just work at the government and they can pay for me to do my degree. <laughs> So I enrolled into graphic design okay, um, and studied full-time and worked full-time to get my my graphic design degree done in three years. Wow. So you were working and studying at the same time? Yeah. Full-time for both? Yep. Okay. That must have been pretty hectic. It was. Um, But I didn't want to extend it. I didn't want to go part-time and do it for six years. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm like, because then in three years, I'll only be halfway done, whereas I could be done. Yep. And I guess probably a bit of my personality seeping through there. Like I, I think I'm all or nothing really. And it probably goes into my hobbies. So I'll pick up a hobby. I'll, I'll go all in. I'll get all the good gear. I'll get all the, all the right stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'll smash it out. And then it's like, oh, next hobby. All the good <laughs> gear, all the right stuff. Yeah. And then I'm like, I just got a piano. Never played piano. I'm like, yeah, I want to learn piano. When did you do that? 
Uh, about two months ago. Okay. Yeah. Where is it? I can't see it. Well, it has to be tuned still. It's, <laughs> oh, okay. it's in the other room. I thought you'd done it and gone, moved on to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, threw it out. It's on the front lawn. No, I actually haven't played it yet because I got to get tuned and I'm going to get lessons and... Cool. Yeah. So have you got- well, I'm also like, I know there's really skilled people out there, but I don't always like getting lessons. Like I like to sort of work it out myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to understand like music and and stuff without getting a teacher or getting lessons. Right. And I remember when I was 18, I got a guitar for my birthday. Never played guitar in my life, just loved it and just taught myself how to play guitar. And it was cool, like that sort of journey and and looking back and being like, yeah, I did that. It sort of, I probably would have been way better if I actually got lessons. (laughs) (laughs) But there's something nice to setting yourself a target and, and doing it regardless of how painful or, or hard it gets. So you've done your graphic design degree. What are you feeling as you're sort of doing it? I'm pumped. I really loved it. And I think my first degree, like I didn't really get into the culture of uni. I didn't hang back. I didn't, try to make friends. I sort of just went and did it and then left. Whereas my design degree had an awesome bunch of people. Um, So we would hang back after uni and we'd work on our assignments and we'd we'd get some beer and some dinner and like that that whole culture of of it all Mm -hmm. was already present in the students. Yep. So I was ready to be a designer like I was pumped <laughs> okay was there any sort of was there any sort of influence that you got while you were traveling traveling overseas I think the, the thing from traveling was just the different perspectives mm. like it's amazing to talk to people and sit with people from all over the world and just see how they or hear how they see things I think that's the, like the biggest takeaway to anything is that when you're designing, a lot of the time you forget to look at the other perspective and you get so lost in getting that design right for you and not making sure that it's it's right for who it's meant to be right for. Yeah, sure. And I think that was me early on in my design life. Okay. It was like, hey, this is cool. This is great. It makes me feel good. Yep. And I couldn't really ever relinquish that it doesn't have to make me feel good, but I can do like other, it's for other people. Yeah, sure. Okay. And so what was your sort of first, I guess, design job, graphic design? Yeah, I'm just going to jump back onto that question because I just got a a memory passed through my head. I remember being in Berlin and there's like a huge underground culture of art there and um. I just remember like we were walking around and going on these tours and just being completely immersed in this whole different perspective of of like what the war was and and how how it was perceived inside the city and the still remnants of old like um propaganda and stuff. Mm-hmm. And to me that's like, well, that's like the real power of of creating something. And I sort of wanted to bring that back with me. Yep. Not, and 
just not in like design but just in anything that I did. Like I didn't want to just be like mediocre. Yeah, right. Okay. I want it to last. I want it to have some effect and I want it to have an influence in anything that I did. Why is that sort of important to you? I think because it's just so easy to skate through life and just do the bare minimum, not not speak out, not speak up and try and improve a situation or try and make something a little nicer for someone. Okay. And it's it seems more more of that today. Like you just everyone's running their own own life and forgetting that there's all these other lives out there and the gap between the haves and the have nots is just getting greater and greater. It's interesting. So I mean, I guess I'm gonna draw a little bit of a bow here, but you've you're sort of talking about trying to change things and make things different or better or improve people's lives which is interesting because I know what you do now in terms of, you know, service design, you know, trying to improve things and trying to make like people's lives, you know, sort of easier. But I don't think, or from knowing you, I don't think that you had sort of got to there yet of, of working, of, of you know, of no, where you were at that stage. Certainly not. Like I've done some pro bono work for some not-for-profits which has been amazing to actually like be at the forefront of creating a difference and, and helping these people out. But definitely not. Like I find it a constant struggle like internally to work, especially inside the government and we're worrying about how like APS 4s and 5s who are getting paid 60, 70 grand are going to handle the computer system or how they're going to cope with some material to help them do their job and not really focusing on who they should be helping. And that I get like that's probably what I always say is like they're getting paid. We can worry about them after we fix the people that are struggling, that are, you know, trying to get help or have been hurt or in a really bad way or abused. Like let's focus on getting them in. Even if it's a bit more of a burden for the people at the other end, they have to hit a few more keystrokes. When you were studying, I guess, design, what did you think you might do with these new skills that you were learning? How did you think you were going to apply it? I wanted to open my own agency. Wow. Yeah. And I still do. But, but I don't want to – I want to be at a point when I do this to choose the work that I want to work on. Okay. And make sure it hits some criteria that it's actually for like social or economic or environmental change. Otherwise, what like you're just going to pick up work and do work. Yeah. And I know that I won't have my, my, my passion won't be in it and it won't be a great outcome for the client because I don't believe in it. Mm-hmm. So that was my goal, to get to a point where I could do work I believe in that actually like had a positive impact, not only on like the people that it's for, but then internally like I get s- some positivityness from it. Yep. <laughs> it's not even a word. But also the people I'm working with would too. Yeah. Okay. 
And where do you think, I guess, how long until you think you've realized that? Depends how good this <laughs> podcast goes. <laughs> no, I, th- I think also it's, you can sort of get these things through not having an agency or charging people and doing pro bono work and helping people out where you can and like being a good leader as well. Like you, just because you're on a project that's maybe not hitting all the goals, it's it's still a chance to assess it and see what good can be done, yep. whether it's for your team or for the people or, you know, there's plenty of other ways to sort of create positive vibes. I'm going to sort of change tack a little bit. Yeah. And go to your sort of acting. Yeah, about time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you sort of stopped and you, you probably haven't done, you hadn't, you hadn't done it for quite like well, a long time. Yeah. What made you want to pick it up again? So I ummed and ahed for years. Like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. It's too hard. It's too this. It's too this. It's too that. Um, and I remember I got to 30 and I'm like, you know what? I was going to do it. And then that day I enrolled in like a short acting class. Okay. And I, that was it. Like it was just a switch. And I think it was probably like a, a life switch rather than just about acting, but a more around doing all the things that I wanted to do and never did or doing all the things I said I would. When I think about doing something, I do it. I don't want to just like think about it and always think about it. I want to do something so I know how it feels so I can make a proper assessment about it. Okay. So then I, I kept going with acting and then I like tried to get into some short plays or, or audition for films or TV commercials. And, yeah. Um, just tried to get into it as much as I could and still still am. And the, like, the roles that you, you landed and, then, and you, you acted in and performed in, how did it feel doing something like that? So the first real thing I ever did was like a play. Yeah. And being quite like new into it all and I remember trying to learn all the lines and and trying to like master it and and then I would do before before we went on each night I would do like listen to to like the white noise and calm myself and okay. try to prepare myself yep but I missed the whole fun of it like I just I got to the point where I knew yeah I knew all the lines perfectly okay but I, I forgot to act them right because like I was nervous obviously but I forgot to have fun in it and I remember that for like the next play I did where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to learn lines. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to make an effort to have fun with the people around me. I'm going to help them. I'm going to boost them up. I'm going to bring the right energy rather than sitting down trying to calm myself. Like it's not about that. It's about being present and and awake and bringing the energy that you need to bring. I'm going to ask you a question because I don't really know because I've never acted in anything. Mm. But do, just doing what you've just said, like knowing the lines but then having fun with it and acting them out, is it like, I'm trying to figure it out, is it like, you know, 
patting your head and rubbing your stomach at the same, at the same time. Is <laughs> so, that what you do for fun? <laughs> <laughs> it's what, um, I, I guess it's maybe you're like you're into basketball, right? Mm-hmm. So when you first start, you just you know you're shooting hoops, mm-hmm. you're dribbling, you're trying to get your hand eye coordination all together. And then there's that point where you know it. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to throw in a little twist in here. Yeah, right. I'm going to, you know, alley-oop or do yeah. something, try something different and and push yourself. Okay. And I think it's that curve to anything is getting that baseline to when then you can start push yourself mm-hmm. and you can try to make it your own and yeah, bring okay. your own person and your own flavors into whatever you're doing. What sort of, do you have any, who are the sort of the influences now in for your acting? I don't know. I like, I like all actors. Okay. <laughs> and you know, people are like, oh, it's a shit, they did a shit job, or they didn't really. It's like, well, maybe that's how the character was meant to be portrayed. Just because you didn't actually love it or think it's worthy of your applause, doesn't mean that they did a bad job at it. Where do you want to take your acting? To Hollywood, maybe. <laughs> Okay. Now, one of my life goals is to be um, in a like a, a featured film, to have my name scrolling down those credits. Yeah, right. Something above like Dead Guy 1. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like a, a lead role in a feature film would be amazing. That was always one of my goals. But being like on stage, there's something quite raw and, and real about that. You don't get another chance. You don't get to like retake or set up the camera again. You got to deliver. Sounds scary. It, yeah, it is. And the, the adrenaline afterwards, amazing. It's like nothing, nothing like walking off the stage and you know you all nailed it. You're all in the sa- sharing the same energy, the same space and you all walk off and you're like, yeah, we nailed it. Like just that, that feeling, that adrenaline. Normally I get home from something like that takes me hours to sleep. Just okay, I'm really? Just, yeah. Like everything's alive in me. I just buzzed. I'm going to throw out a few things and I'll see what you say. Um, like there's the acting school like NIDA. Yeah. Have you ever thought about doing that or? I've been looking at like getting, going to an acting school now in my mid-30s, <laughs> which... Okay. To most people, probably like obscene, but there's there's old characters in movies, <laughs> you know. And I think it's like like I've already said, I really believed in myself. I never trusted myself that I could do that, so I never really pushed myself to get there or to apply or do those things. If I had my time again, yeah, straight out of year twelve, I'd go into acting and music yeah, and right. dedicate my life to that. Okay. But then I wouldn't be here. So, you know, you can't change it. You just got to keep going. So what sort of steps are you taking now to potentially do that? Uh, So there's heaps of like Facebook groups you can join to try stay in the loop of things that are happening and auditions that are happening. Or like last minute someone drops out, we need someone here, can you do it? To that. Um, I also like tried out for some agencies and and try to get in that way. But I think it's like a lot about 
you got to you got to put yourself into the environment. And where we live doesn't have a huge environment for for that scene. It's growing, which is amazing. But I do know like now when I go to auditions, like I pretty much know everyone there because it's the same people. Right. Um, which is also a really cool benefit because you know people, you're relaxed, you can, you don't have to worry, you can, or they know you and you get it. So. What's holding you back from buying a ticket to LA? <laughs> I've thought about it. <laughs> With a, you know, headshot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> door knocking. <laughs> What's stopping you from doing that? Um, I, yeah, debt. What's <laughs> stopping everyone, you know? Right. It's not, not as easy as when we were young just to pack up your bag and say bye to mum and dad and know that regardless of what happens, you get a home. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could do that now. I know if I went and tried out and came back, I could go live with my mum and dad again. It'll be fine. Like they definitely welcome me. I, I guess it's fear though. Fear of what? Of of losing what I already have. And starting at the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a huge learning curve, huge risk. I'd love to do it. What do you reckon your, is your... What's your like key genre? What Acting. Do you reckon, yeah, like what, what, what do you reckon your uh, your pocket would be? I don't know. I played this role for this film and like I was the antagonist, the bully, okay. the mean guy. I loved it because it's not often you get to be mean with purpose. Like normally if you mean it's in a, like you're reacting to someone hurting you or you feel shitty so you're going to hurt someone and you don't actually get that chance to creatively be mean and push that within yourself and so that was fun um i don't know i'd play i'd play anything <laughs> who knows okay. I'd, I'd let the the audience decide my best genre but i'd hate to be typecasted imagine getting like oh no he's a he's a comedian he can only do this don't get him for that like you'd never really get to push yourself i guess so i guess like yeah Bouncing the ball up and back and never shooting. <laughs> I guess it would be nice to be in that, to potentially maybe if you have been typecast, you've played like maybe in an amazing role. Yeah, yeah. like it's, I'd still accept that if that was my fate. <laughs> <laughs> if I got typecast as bully, yeah, sure. So what drives you now? Um. I think the main like the main thing that drives me is I want a happy life. And I want nice things in it. Not just like couches and stuff, but like nice experiences and nice people to share that with. I was finally getting to the point in my life where it's like if someone isn't the right fit for me, I don't, I'm I don't have to hang out with them. I don't have to be part of that space anymore. Yep. I want like a nice, humble life where I'm good at at what I do and respected for what I do. Okay. Be really nice. Yeah. And I want to be able to provide too. Like I don't (laughs) want to have rice every night again. So that's definitely a a driver. Do you think about like you about your childhood and sort of contrast that to what you've just said to me now? I am now, 
Definitely now. A lot of things that like I push for are probably things that either have been like part of me my whole life and that's why I'm pushing for like to be peaceful and nice and loving and, and have a – I always wanted to have my own home. Like I never wanted to rent because I always wanted the idea that like I could create that space that other people could come to and okay. that it could always be open. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be able to like if, if I don't like that wall, I want to be able to knock it down. <laughs> Yeah, And I wanted to be able to create or move or change things to adapt to my life. And I like when I look at like in the future and, and kids, like I want our house to be that safe mm-hmm. house mm-hmm. where people know they can go to, they can come for a night or 10 and there's no judgment. There's just a space that you can occupy and be part of. Or you could just like build like a little hotel or something. <laughs> you fund in? <laughs> you have all what the, created the creative hotel? <laughs> if all the people can yeah, stay. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> but then it's also like so uh, privileged to like to want that. And that's definitely a byproduct of my parents pushing for a good education and, and giving me everything they could. Like I definitely know that I've been privileged my whole life. Not just that, but with like a really strong family and love and support. Like, yeah, super supportive. So, if if I had if I could if I could give that to my kids mm-hmm. and have to serve them rice, then I would, because that's far more important than having a pair of shoes or a bigger TV. <laughs> if you could be anywhere tomorrow, where would it be? I don't know. I think I'd have to say my own design studio. Your own design studio? Yeah. That's where I'd be. Okay. Opening the doors to a brand new design space. And what would you be working on? I would hope to be working on some radical new idea that's going to dissolve social injustice or change the way in which we use and consume commodities and power. Okay. Heavy. Yeah. That's the cool stuff. Yeah. And where would this design studio be? Where? Yeah. I'd love to have it out on like a big bit of land. Okay. And then also have a space for <laughs> like injured injured wildlife and, and people to sort of, if they find a stray dog or something, they could bring it there and know that it would be safe. Until whatever. Okay. What Like why? Why would you want that for? I just think we should do more for like animals and stuff that that we create this world for them and then just abandon them or hurt them or, or leave them. And just I think you just got to give back as much as we can. Cool. Well, look, hey, thank you very much. That's... That wraps up, I guess, our little session. What did you think of, of that chat? It was good. Really good questions. It's not often you get to like indulge in your past and, 
and start looking back into who you were and or who you are and why you are. Yep. So it's been a nice little journey and <laughs> quite enlightening in a sense to start to draw some correlations between growing up and where I am. Yep. Cool. Well, I think I'm. It was really nice to hear because yeah, a lot of. The, I mean, I knew a few things, but I didn't know everything, of course. So a few things start to make sense now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but look, I'm looking forward to look to the people who we've got sort of coming up next. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I think it's going to be interesting. And yeah, as you said, it's. I mean, you don't really get a chance too often to sit back and talk and sort of reflect on yourself and think about how you got to where you are today. So how did you feel now versus, you know, an hour ago or so? I feel good now. I feel at peace. (laughs) I don't, I always enjoy like asking the questions and interviewing. I don't, don't love having to talk about myself. Okay. I like that first question, man, it's like my worst nightmare having to sum up me because yep. I don't, who knows? I don't even know half the time. Yeah. And it's not in this context, but like in job interviews, it's like, well, what are you looking for? Because there's probably somewhere deep inside me yep. if we fish hard enough, but yeah. Cool. Well, that's it, everyone. Thank you. That's another episode of What Created Creative. Uh, We hope you'll subscribe and come back for more. And we've got some photos and videos you can hit up on our Instagram and have a look at our website to catch the episode and see what's coming up next. So thank you. We'll see you again soon. Thanks, Pete. No worries.